Christ is Lord. God has raised him. God has made him, made him Lord. Come with me here, Philippians 3, verse 20. We see it as well. Philippians 3, 20. But our citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. You hear that? Our citizenship is in heaven under Christ. Three points I want to start with. Jesus. Jesus has been made Lord of all creation. We, we have been united with Jesus Christ and thus have been raised from death to life. And thirdly, we are now citizens of heaven. That, that's where our hope and future lies. But if that's the future, what does that mean for the here and the now? Well, if something good is happening in our future, we plan for it, right? And more than just plan for it, we prepare so that we're ready for it. Well, some of us prepare better than others. My wife claims that I wasn't packed for our honeymoon until about 1am on the morning of our wedding day. I don't remember that particularly, but I do remember needing to borrow the use of her family's clothes dryer to get some washing dry in time. Yes, I've got scheduling issues. But there's a lot more that goes into marriage preparation than just the wedding. You start thinking about yourself as a couple. You stop talking I and her and start talking we. You make decisions together about what you're going to do with your life. The reality that is coming gives shape to our behaviour in the present. The reality of our place in Christ's coming kingdom gives shape to our behaviour now. But to talk about the coming of Jesus as something in the future is actually to sell things short. The king has been declared and he is staking his claim to the kingdom. Jesus is the king and he will be the king. And what are we living in now? Now we are living in a time of amnesty. Time of amnesty. So that the king's rebellious people can repent of their rebellion and be reconciled to the king. Only a fool hears the offer of amnesty and says, yes, yes, I want to accept your offer of amnesty, but I'd rather associate with the rebels for as long as I can. But for us, for us who've gone over to the king's side already, there's a cost. The rebels don't like it. And so, as Paul says in, one Tim, in 2 Timothy, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And persecuted not just by the human rebels, but by the great rebel himself, Satan, the devil, the tempter. So that's our situation. That's the struggle we are in. 
And that is why Paul urges us in 4 verse 1 to stand firm. Stick with the winning side, even though it's tough now. So the question is, how do we do this? How do we stand firm? Firstly, rejoice. Rejoice. You see it there in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let me clarify, rejoice is not the same as a blithe happiness. This isn't hakuna matata. This isn't a command to don't worry, be happy. Rather, it's a command to celebrate who God is and what he is doing. And it's intimately tied to prayer and to thanksgiving. Paul doesn't just instruct the Philippians to pray and to make requests to God. He instructs them to ask and supplicate, to pray and request with thanksgiving. Why do we ask with thanksgiving? Because we know that God is mighty and powerful and good and loving and in control. And thus, whatever trials we face are in his hand and will turn out for his glory and our deliverance. And thus, we rejoice in our trials. We rejoice in our trials because they remind us of God's deliverance. Did you hear that in Psalm 13? How long, O Lord, will you hide your face from me? But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has been good to me. Rejoice in the Lord. Do not be anxious. Ask and pray with thanksgiving. This isn't something Paul made up. The prophet David was putting it into practice and into teaching songs 800 years before. In the good or the bad, celebrate God. Praise him and put your trust in him. And just as God comforted David and comforted Paul, so also God will comfort us in Christ Jesus. And not just comfort us, but keep us and guard us and bring us into the kingdom of his Son, Jesus Christ. Pause a moment. Stop and think. What is it that you are anxious about? What is it that you can't control? The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's bring your situation to God right now. 
confess to God the situation that you will not trust into his care. Thank him that he is all-powerful and all-loving and cast your anxiety upon him. Rejoice in him. Let's do that now. Let's, let's, let's pray individually now. I'll give each of us a moment to do that privately. Pray to God and put your cares upon him. Rejoice in the Lord. Don't be anxious. Ask and pray with thanksgiving. And when you're praying at home, let me remind you, don't just pray for yourselves. Pray for your Christian brothers and sisters also. Some of them are sitting in the pews around you. Others are far overseas. Remember to thank God for them and pray for his comfort and strength in their trials, and that God will use you to support and love them. Secondly, how do we, how do we stand firm? Secondly, we devote ourselves to godly thought and to godly action. Be proactive about this. Come with me to verse 8. Finally, brothers... Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Has anyone here ever driven a go-kart? Yes, yes, lots of yeses. No half yeses. We had someone who'd half driven a go-kart this morning. That was a bit weird. Now, has anyone here ever driven a Formula One race car? Oh, well. Um, I'm told that before each race, the drivers will sit down and go over and over the track in their mind, planning how to handle each corner, how to deal with various scenarios. And then they'll go out and they'll practice those things. That's how we Christians should approach the godly life. Paul's not asking us to daydream about nice, happy things. He's instructing us to meditate on the things of Christ to fill our minds with his teachings and his truths and then to go out and do them again and again. Read the scriptures. Pray. Do. And do it together. Think back to chapter 2. It's all about being holy together. Seeking each other's good so that we all stand firm 
and Christ may be glorified. But sometimes we need some help. Let's look back to verse 2. Look, we don't know much about Iodia and Syntyche. Not even how to pronounce their names, maybe. We know that both women were from Philippi and had been important fellow workers with Paul. And we know that they got into an unresolved dispute that was causing some real harm to the Philippian church. It's a pretty significant dispute. So news of us has travelled from Philippi up to Rome where Paul's in prison and then he's written about it in his letter and then he sent the letter back to Philippi. You know, it's, got, it's a pretty big issue if you're willing to go to that much effort. You know, This is weeks. But note also that Paul's not in his letter trying to pick winners and losers. Instead, he asks one of the elders of the church to step in and help the women resolve the dispute because the church needs to be united. Is there someone that you just can't get along with? Someone for whom your dislike is a bigger deal than the church's mission? I get that it's all their fault, but what can you do to be a peacemaker? What can you do to embrace the forgiveness that is in Christ Jesus? And if you're an elder or a leader and you know of such a situation, how can you assist in bringing reconciliation? And also, brothers and sisters, don't be ashamed to ask for help. Not help by gossiping with your bestie, but by humbling, seeking someone with wisdom to aid you in becoming reconciled. And of course... Pray in thankfulness. Not that God will fix them, but seek in prayer that God will bless them. God, God acted for your good while you were still a rebel. Can you seek his blessing on someone who has offended you? Will you trust God in this also? In conclusion, my friends, let's remind us of what we've heard this, this morning. As we hear what the Apostle Paul writes with joy from a prison cell. Remember, remember that Christ is King. He is Lord. He is in control. We are citizens of his kingdom. And we wait for his kingdom, not passively but eagerly standing firm in him. And how do we do this? By rejoicing. By praying with thankfulness, trusting in his provision. And by meditating on and practicing the truths of the faith as we have been taught. Brothers and sisters, go out and stand firm in Christ. Rejoice. Pray, practice. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father God, bless us today and this week. 
Thank you that you have blessed us in Christ and our lives are hidden in you, waiting, our citizenship is in heaven, awaiting his return. But Father, we know that you are Lord now also and that all things are in your hand and under your control. Keep us rejoicing in both blessings and trials. Keep us praying with thanksgiving and trusting with you, trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen.